from Bureaucracy's Basement to your ears, this is the weekly meeting of the Queen City Improvement Bureau. Each week, the dedicated staff of the Bureau meet to file recommendations, make reports, and survive on water that drips from the boiler pipes into our open mouths as we sleep on a bed of dot matrix printer paper. One day, maybe, we'll escape from this basement, but until that day comes, this city is not going to improve itself. So, here we stay, improving things. This meeting is now in session. Hello. What? Oh, hello. H- how Sorry, are you? Sorry, I was, I was, I was drift. I, I have my mind on other things. Oh no! What's uh, what's got you preoccupied today? Well, I had this, I had this dream that uh, that outside of the walls of this of this room, that uh, there was tremendous amounts of horrible open space. And gigantic bodies that wheeled in the sky are producing light and darkness. I just, I'm, I'm shaken by it. Um, it feels like an ancient memory and, and a nightmare all at the same time. You know what I'm saying. No, no, I don't. This sounds like madness. Oh. I think maybe you might want to consider getting some help. I should, I should probably, I should find a therapist who would be probably be you. Cause I, you're the only person I see around here. Okay. So you think that there's like big orbs wheeling around up above? Uh, you know, well, I know it sounds a little wild, but I'm I'm convinced that like gigantic bodies in the sky are like like you know causing tides to move and causing plants to grow and giving us light and heat so we can see. It's ridiculous, but I just can't shake that feeling. It's this is clearly like an issue that you have with your father. <laughs> clearly, clearly it is. He was it's, a gigantic burning ball of light that scorched everything he touched. So, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. Or he was a light bulb. I, I don't know which. <laughs> My dad, the light bulb. Anyway. Anyway. Uh, <laughs> should, should we take attendance? I think we should, yes. Oh, okay. Uh, okay. Our first attendee is uh, Hond Polisi. No, I don't think there's a Hond Polisi here. Uh, you, don't, you don't know about uh, Thomas... The Hond Polisi? No, not in the slightest. Is, is oh. he famous? Well, actually, there is very little information on uh, Hond Polisi. Uh, but the little that we do know suggests that he was actually perplexed by the stupidity of that name, Hond Polisi. Um, he actually tried when he was uh, got a little, when he was of legal age to change his name, but he didn't look at the forms properly. And uh, it turns out that he wrote his his birth name in like the wrong field. So he was even doubly more Hond Polisi at that point. Oh dear. Um, he eventually formed the Antinomian Society, which he said, core tenet was, I quote, names are the tyranny of the past over the future and we should do away with them forever. That actually makes a lot of sense. I think so. Because it's, it's the tyranny of the past and it's also, um, it's this lingering uh imprint like a brand that your parents put on you uh mm-hmm. when you're when you're an infant you can't object really that's true that's although true. you really are kind of objecting to everything at this point but um you know so they ignore you and you get whatever name they give you true. and um yeah is this related to the orbs that you've been imagining uh maybe i mean i'm just I'm just, you know, reading what was written down. Uh, I want to say for me, but I think it was written down by me. Um, yeah, maybe, maybe it is. Maybe, I don't. Hmm. Know. Um, well, Han Polisi. Yeah, he isn't he's, here. Oh, well, hold on. 
I know what happened. Um, I, I mixed up the letters in, in the name. Just give me a... It should be Paul Deshen. That's actually me. Oh, great. You're here. Yeah. I mean, I knew, I knew you were here. I mean, <laughs> yeah. yeah. But, you know... The, and that, that actually is a name that I picked out myself. Oh, nice. Yes. Yeah, yeah um, I, was bor- I was born Han Polisi. Oh, geez. Well, that's a, that's a piece of luck. So you're, you, you're definitely the person we want to talk to. Um, okay. So our, our next attendee is uh, ooh, Dana Ragmoin. Dana Radmoin? Ragmoin. Dana Oh, Radmoin. no. Then no. I don't no? know this. No. Oh, uh, I'm surprised. I mean, you watch TV, so you probably remember Ragmoin from, from like around 2008. He had a, he had a show called uh, Shark Melt. It was ooh. supposed to be like the next Lost. Uh, it right. was it, the premise was that there was a, a mysterious incident in which all the sharks melted, hence the name Shark Melt. And uh, he played Ron Fisher, a, a hard bitten Coast Guard investigator who was drawn into a uh, quote shadowy world of conspiracies and the occult. Huh. You know, I vaguely remember hearing about this, but I didn't have a TV in 2008. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah. I did. And uh, it was it was the best three episodes of TV I've ever seen. Yeah, and yet it got canceled. I take it. Yeah, very quickly, very quickly. Uh, and do you know why? Well, I think they probably tried to melt real sharks. That just it just did not. It was a non-starter. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Realism, the, the tyranny of realism. Right. Is he here? Do you, I don't know. Looks bad. Looks bad for him. <laughs> looks, looks bad for Dana Ragmoin, doesn't it? And um, oh, sorry, this is embarrassing. I've mixed up the letters in his name. Oh, no. And he is um, Hayden Morgan. That's you. Delightful. Okay, this is great. We're off to a good start. Everybody's here. And uh, I understand we have a guest who got into the uh, we, got into the meeting room. Yeah, I don't know how that happened. Um, yeah, we do have a guest, though. Uh, say hello, Morgan. Hello. I snuck in. Hey, Morgan. So, Morgan, <laughs> it's, it's Morgan Motes? Yes, it is. That's an awesome name. Thank you. <laughs> just, just so you know. I didn't pick it out myself. Oh, that's too bad. We have, we have a couple of names here you can choose from if you like. Um, there's, I, I wouldn't recommend Homplisi. It's kind of a silly name. Uh, but there's also Dana Ragmoin. So, I mean, if you want to take one of those home with you, feel free. You know, I think I've stuck with this one for a while, and I think I'll stick with it for a while. Long. Fair that's enough. Fair. Yeah, it's, it's, it is a good name. So, so no arguments there. So, Morgan, you are the chair of UR Pride. I am, yes, the chair of the board of directors. That's brilliant. Uh, we, um, UR Pride is not a stranger to the Queen City Improvement Bureau, but maybe for anybody who's, this is their first meeting that they have uh, listened into, could you just give us a run through of what UR Pride is and what you guys do? Absolutely. Uh, so you are Pride, um, are, are you looking for history at all or just like currently who we are and what we do? If you want some, if you want to give us some history, I'm I'm happy with that. So, your pride actually started out as a uh, club at the University of Regina, um, and kind of grew until it is uh, it became what it is today, which is a uh, a nonprofit organization that supports the uh, gender and sexually diverse community and as well as student of our still. Um, so, we've kind of got a two pronged. Um, aspect to our organization where we support 
uh, gender and sexually diverse students at the U of R. Um, but we also have a lot of programming that is for the community of Regina and area um, as well. So we've got, you know, all sorts of programming that's kind of one or the other. Most of it doesn't really cross as much, but, you know, we've got stuff for students and then we've got stuff going on for the greater community, especially um, we've got a lot of stuff for youth groups and uh, for seniors are uh, two of the um, main sets of groups that we Wow. That's awesome. Yeah. Like, how busy are you guys? Like how much, how much stuff do you do? We, we do quite a bit. Our staff <laughs> are very hardworking um, and they run, they run a lot of stuff. We've got, like I said, the seniors group, we've got a couple of youth groups, one that is uh, uh, for ages 16 to 24, I think it's called group C. And then there's the youth group, which, um, I can't remember the exact ages for that, but they're like, they're just slightly separate from each other because we find that, it, you know, the subdivision helps people uh, who are like, I think youth group is, is 18 and under. And so we have people that, you know, kind of get old enough that they're not really in that group anymore, but still need support. And so we kind of separated into group Z as well. Um, we've got uh, a positive space webinars that we do. We've got like a, a staff that specifically does education um, to try and help um, organizations and, and business such uh, be better and more able to support their gender and sexually diverse uh, audiences, whether that be their staff or their uh, that they serve or what have you. Um, we've got just all sorts of stuff. We work on advocacy. We're um, trying to fill just the gaps in the community. Um, one of the big gaps that uh, I'm probably going to be harping on a lot today because uh, really on my mind um, is our, our mental health for gender and sexually diverse folks. Um, so we, in I believe 2018, uh, started a uh, project called Mental Health, which is a free resource uh, for counseling for gender and sexually diverse folks and their loved ones. Um, so that is a big one that uh, I'm, I'm especially interested in right now because our uh, our funding, our grant funding ran out. So we've been doing a lot of work soliciting donations to try and keep the program um, running and, and free, if at all possible. Right. So Monarch Mental Health, uh, how, I don't want to say how popular a program is it, because I don't think that's the phrase you want to use. All, like, all the kids love Monarch Mental Health. Well, it's not just kids. Um, we, you know, there's, there's all age ranges that access the services there. Um, but yeah, I mean, popular might even be the right word because currently our wait list is actually uh, because we are at capacity for how much we can be helping with uh, the resources that right now. So that's not a great time to be running out of funding then. No, it's really not. We want to be, you know, doing more with it and, you know, hiring another counselor if we could and stuff like that. But it's it's hard without the funding <laughs> aspect. Yeah. Where, uh, where does the counseling run out of? Uh, so currently everything is online. Okay. Um, oh. Between, you know, COVID and... Uh, our, our current counselor is not currently based out of Regina, um, so it's currently online, but we uh, actually share space at this point with the Regina uh, Sexual Assault uh, Organization, and they, uh, yeah, we, we have a, a space in there, a, a, an office in their space that uh, can be the counselor when we have some Regina. Right. So uh, when you say that your funding has run out, like, oh, what are we talking? Are you are you guys like running on fumes right now? Or do you, do you have like a time frame? For how know, much? 
the uh, fundraising that we've been doing has been like really successful so far. Um, so the end of August was the end of our grant funding that we currently have. We're of course continuing to apply for more grants. Um, but in the meantime, I believe we are funded until October is my understanding Ooh. right now. So um, we've been doing, we've been doing pretty darn good with like, we had a bake sale and, uh, um, you know, just general donations. And we had a roundup event where a couple of local businesses, uh, were offering that people could round up their purchases and the, it would be, or the difference would be donated to Monarch Mental Health. Um, and between those, we've been doing pretty well for keeping it going. Um, not so much for growth, which we'd like to see growth, but yeah, we're, uh, we're not doing as badly as we could be, for sure. Right. Do you have any big fundraising oh. initiatives coming up? We Sorry. do, in fact. Um, yeah, we've got uh, this month, we are planning Art for Monarch is what we've decided to call it, um, which is an art raffle kind of event. We'll be selling tickets. Um, I believe it will be going up on our social medias um, within the next day or two. Uh, but yeah, our, our tickets will be $60 and everyone purchases a ticket will get art. It's just the order in which they get to choose their art is determined by drawing their tickets. So whoever gets drawn first gets first choice of all of the art we have on offer. And whoever gets drawn last, well, they kind of get what's left, <laughs> which will still be amazing because we have some pretty wonderful artists um, pull up names. But we've got Tia Gerbeza is one. Um, you've got, okay, so we've got uh, like Mystic Misfit, uh, Lady Bits Art, I think I'm saying that right, um, Gina Brass. There's a, there's actually an artist that does cross-stitch work, which we're really, really excited to um because like a lot of them are, are print, but like an original cross stitch piece, it makes mm -hmm. me kind of uh, kind of want to buy a ticket, <laughs> <laughs> which is exactly the the point. Um, tea and paper designs, yeah. There's there's a bunch on here that are going to be donating. Well, not necessarily donating art. We are um, giving them the choice whether they want to donate it or uh, have part of the proceeds because paying artists, especially gender and sexually diverse artists uh, for their art and their work and their labor. And um, so, yeah, it's kind of a combination of some will be donating, getting some compensation for their work uh, and at their choice, which I like, I just am so excited for this fundraiser. It's going to be a cool thing, get some exposure for some artists and, uh, and some money in their pockets, and then also get some, uh, some monarch mental health support going. Nice. Yeah. That's awesome. Uh, I should mention that we're on 91.3 FM CJTR Regina Community Radio, and we are the Queen City Improvement Bureau, and we're talking with uh, sorry Morgan Moats from UR Pride about uh, all the stuff you guys do. Uh, are there other like? Uh, we are planning to have a performance showcase in October. Um, the details are still a little up in the air for that one, so um, people can watch our social media for. Uh, more announcements, but we are hoping to have kind of almost a telemiracle style, like really, really long stretch of performances where people can call in with donations if they want to. It's, uh, it's looking like it'll probably be at least almost virtual, if not completely virtual at this point. We were originally thinking of a hybrid event, but that's kind of part, part of why things are still up in the air. But, you know, we want to keep people safe to us. So, but yeah, so there'll be a kind of a performance showcase kind of a thing at the end of October. And that's when we'll be doing a big draw um, that people who have participated in 
uh, the Roundup event or people who buy tickets for the Art for Monarch event uh, are all being put in a draw. And we've got some uh, some really exciting prizes that are coming in for that. But will this be a cheesy variety show showcase? That's what I want to know. I mean, it is for the gender and sexually diverse crowds. So, um, yes, sort of. Okay. <laughs> like some of it's going to be more, probably yep. more serious, but we're, I'm hoping that there are a lot of cheesy acts and variety show is hopefully exactly the right descriptor um we're hoping to have like you know music and spoken word poetry and obviously drag um you know whatever people want to get up and perform is kind of what i'm hoping we can have representation from all sorts of different fields and if anyone is super interested in contributing to that they can feel free to throw me an email um it's just chair at urpride.ca so you're looking for performers then we still are open to having more performers for sure well, you know, Paul and I can perform like live QCIB stuff, like for the end of the evening when you want everybody to go away. Uh, just, just we'll, we'll like we'll get on there and we'll we'll clear the we'll clear I the virtual you were stuck room. Stuck in a basement. Oh, Paul, they're onto us! <laughs> <laughs> quick, quick, run, hide. We could record something and put it on a cassette tape, and you could bring it with you for the show. Ooh, there we go. Tape. Ooh, maybe a reel to reel, like you know. Yeah. You know, I I actually prefer floppy disks, but <laughs> I'm sitting on some right now. Good, they're yeah. comfy. They are, yeah, and they they resist I, moisture. I, I, I earlier, oh, that's there you go. I actually, I had I had a question uh, actually about um, a serious question about monarch mental health. Um, you mentioned uh, that that it was sort of filling a gap for you know looking to the mental health of, you know, gender and sexually diverse people um, with like in, in Regina or in Southern Saskatchewan, if, if not for places like Monarch, what is the situation for somebody who wants this kind of counseling? Are there any good resources available or is it pretty much just Monarch right now? There are some depending on um, exactly what people are looking for. Um so, I mean, there's support from um, like other other organizations like uh, Planned Parenthood is generally really friendly to uh, gender and sexually diverse folks. Um, you know, there's there's organizations like Out Saskatoon in Saskatoon, Family Service Regina, Moose Jaw Pride um, that can be supportive in, in several different ways. There's also, um, depending on like what kind of support people are looking for, there is at least one psychiatrist in town that uh, is uh, kind of specializes in working with uh, with gender diverse folks. Uh, specifically. So there's, you know, there's some mental health supports that are people who can, um, you know, be be known to be safe. Um, the biggest difficulty, well, the two biggest difficulties are resources, which people who are gender and sexually diverse, uh, just statistically are more likely to be lacking in resources, especially financial ones. Um, so being able to see a counselor or a um, psychologist or something like that, you know, if there isn't a job that covers it, it can be to pay for. And to get a job that covers it can be really difficult if you're out and you know, just different from other people, it can be, it can make things really hard. Um, and the other big uh, hurdle is that if you're seeking help with mental health, 
there are a lot of professionals in uh, Saskatchewan and Regina is kind of where where I know about for sure, but that don't that aren't safe. Okay. There are a lot of people that you can go to and you say, you know, I'm trans and they go, oh, well, that's a mental health problem. And it's like, well, no, no, it's not. <laughs> it's, right. it's really, really not. But okay. Or they go, oh, well, I just don't know anything about that. And then proceed to misgender you or call you by a dead name or all sorts of things like that. Um, or, or, you know, even just the microaggressions of having to ask you mean all the time when you're talking is that anyone basic understanding of how gender and sexually diverse people live their lives would know, you know, or right. having them make just assumptions that are not accurate and stuff like that. It, it's very hard. Um, so with Monarch, you know, you're dealing with someone who um, is well versed in being a mental health professional, but you also know you're dealing with someone who is well versed in the community and the specific kinds of difficulties and traumas that we deal with just by being right. Yeah, I think I think a lot of I think a lot of uh, people you know is people kind of assume that you know if a psychiatrist is a psychiatrist or you know a counselor is a counselor. And they don't they don't realize that there are all kinds of nuances and intricacies and and the things you're describing. So so I'm really glad that actually that you know that we have Monarch actually and that and I hope I hope we can I hope it stays around because we can get more funding for it. Yes. So, so tell us more about uh, other things that uh, that you you are pride lit up your pride. <laughs> My I'm tongue tied. Uh, does perfectly fine. Um, we have um, a couple of support groups for trans people specifically. Uh, we've got resilience, which is for um, people of, of any age, I believe. And then we've got sprout, which is specifically for trans. Uh, so that's ages 11 to 16 that are uh, that that is focusing on. Um, we've got what else do we do? We had a service day not too long ago, which was really exciting. We had, you know, groceries and clothing and household items and stuff that people could just come in and uh, pick out and take with them, um, which was really exciting because I know there are a lot of people in our communities that uh, need better access to all of those things and more. And so being able to help out with that has been really good. And that's something we want to see at least annually, um, although it was a lot of planning. So I don't know how often we'll be able to um, to put on that kind of thing. Um, we've got a seniors group. We've been working on, like, sometimes we have intergenerational stuff going and sometimes we don't. Um, I, I actually had some questions for you about your seniors. Yeah, sure. Your seniors program, because that's yeah. like we've we've talked about space on here and we've talked about a lot of other things about uh, that your pride is doing. But I don't think we've talked about the seniors programming before, especially to Queen City Improvement Bureau listeners. I'm sure they're wondering, do you have LGBTQ plus pickleball for your seniors? <laughs> um, at this point, no. Um, we, this is a big oversight. I'm, I'm sorry. You know, I hadn't even thought of it until you mentioned it. And as soon as you mentioned it, I was like, yeah, that's, that's probably something we need to work on. Um, because we have, I mean, most of our activities are online at this point. Um, our, our pandemic policy is a little uh, more strict than the government of Saskatchewan's pandemic policy. And so we've got most of our programming is online right now. And I don't think pickleball works virtually very well. 
Uh, but I mean, that's like with, with stuff like that, we can absolutely look into, um, you know, what, what people are interested in and what people would actually like to access is what we want to be providing because we don't want to be providing services that nobody wants or needs. We want to be providing services that are wanted immunity. Oh, I, I have an idea here. I know, I know virtual pickleball is tough, but hear me out on this pickleball by mail. Okay. It takes a while, but it's worth it. Okay. Um, yeah, I, I, love will, I will look into what grants might cover that. Oh, they're just I'm covering postage. Postage is going to be, you know, trying to send a pickleball isn't quite like, I don't know. Do they fit in just a regular envelope? We'd probably I don't know. have package I, rates for that. If you just get a little gherkin, it'll just pop right in an envelope. <laughs> what, sorry, what do you think pickleball is, Paul? It's not actual. It's, it's not actual pickles. I actually don't um, think about pickleball. I'm pretty One sure. It's, why would they call it pickleball if there weren't actual pickles? Well, they would eat the pickles and, you know, so it would just wouldn't work. It'd be perpetually out of like, you know, uh, balls, pickles, I guess. Um, so, yeah. So I'm sure there's a ball of some kind. Probably, maybe it's green. Maybe it's got little holes in it. Uh, so you, you probably just get little boxes uh, postage would get up there, though. It's true. And, it would, you know, you'd be able to, like, you, you get, you get you know, you go down to the post office, you'd pick up your pickleball, uh, you do whatever it is people do with pickleball, and then you walk back to the post office to mail it to the next person. I think, you know, just a little bit of exercise, I think, would be great. I will take that into consideration, definitely. I'll bring that back to our, uh, our organization and see what they think. <laughs> And the rest of your board will be like, never go on this show again. Um, we're uh, coming up to the uh, bottom of the hour here. I was going to say, where can we where can we find you online? Oh, uh, you can find us online at urpride.ca. You can also find us on Facebook and Instagram. And uh, what else do we have for social media? I think it's most those. Yes, I believe it's mostly those. And where's the best place to sign up for the art raffle? Uh, so if people follow our social media, they're going to see, uh, posts about it. Um, but the biggest thing is going to be to, cause we're doing it all digitally. So the biggest thing is going to be to email me, which is chair at urpride.ca. Um, and just to make sure everybody is clear on that, that's C-H-A-I-R at sign U-R-P-R-I-D-E dot C-A. Um, and, uh, I can definitely connect people with tickets if they are interested. Awesome. For more information, if that's what. Awesome. This must be pretty gratifying work to do, to be chair of the UR Pride. It's pretty good. It's, uh, I mean, it's a lot of work, but it's really good work to be doing. Um, I, I'm just so happy that I can be, you know, giving back to a community that has given so much to me, you know, and as far as longing and, and identity and discussion and stuff like that, you know, being able to support people been so supportive to me huge for me well thanks a lot for all of this um and but you're going to stick around for our uh city hall discussion in the second half sure absolutely awesome but before we do that we do have innovative revenue tools and those are um it's kind of all it's kind of all right there in the name aiden it's their tools uh Uh, for us to like generate revenue for the city uh-huh. that are innovative and um, kind of new, kind of clever. You know, I just, I don't get it, yeah, but I'll, I'll just go with it. Okay. Okay. But maybe, you, if we, maybe if we'd done this before, like like before this week. I'm sorry to spring this on you, Aiden. Yeah, it's okay. It's okay. I'll survive. Okay. 
Do you have an innovative revenue tool? Um, no. Yeah. Dang. I was actually <laughs> hoping that one would come to me while I was doing the intro to the segment, but it hasn't. So I think we should just go to the pre-recorded innovative revenue tools right now. Perfect. Absolutely. The Queen City Improvement Bureau would like to acknowledge the Regina Warehouse Business Improvement District for their support of our show. The Regina Warehouse Business Improvement District. Improving the district where there are warehouses in Regina. Uh, we are back from Innovative Revenue Tools. and uh, those, were, those were fantastic. They were very good. You yeah. know, I feel I like we should... I a screwdriver, but these were much better. I know. Yeah. Like they were, like I thought, I thought maybe a bandsaw, but nope. Turns out they were commercials. Yeah. It, that, that reminds me, we have a sponsor for, <laughs> for the Queen City Improvement Bureau. <laughs> you lie. I, I, no, well, not about this. Somebody it's would really sponsor nice. us? Somebody would, and they do. Oh. And their name is Tom Warehouse Improvement District. Without the Tom, just it's the Warehouse Improvement District. Oh, okay. That, I've heard of them. Yeah, or yeah. the Warehouse District Improvement. I, yeah. Warehouse they, Dis- Improvement District. Thank you very much. I knew I knew I was getting something wrong there. But yes, they, it's, a, it's a great place to go. There's uh, all kinds of businesses, groceries. Uh, there's, you know, there's bushwhackers and, you know, other bars. Uh, and it's, it's picturesque, scenic, and there are even warehouses. So. Yeah. Yeah. So thank, thanks to the uh, Warehouse Business Improvement District for sponsoring the Queen City Improvement Bureau. They are marvelous folks, and they we really appreciate are. all the work they do. Right. Exactly. Yeah. So uh, council is back in action. Did you know that, guys? Uh, yeah. Yeah. So they had their little, like, summer hiatus. And then, uh, yeah, the show has started again. Um, oh, my God. We didn't talk about the big thing that happened uh, last week at City Hall because we we had taken last week off. But uh, that's right. There was a little mini storming of City Hall on. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So anti-vaxxers showed up. They are livid about the new uh, COVID measures that City Council instituted. So those are that. uh as of now, you have to wear a mask if you go into a city facility. Right. Starting uh, September 15th, so uh, coming up this week, actually, uh, all staff will be expected to show proof of vaccination in one way or another. And as of September 20th, uh, if you are a member of the public who want to go into a city facility, you will be expected to show uh, proof of vaccination as well. Uh, yeah, and so the uh, the local anti-vax community, which is such a nice way to refer to them, uh, they decided to uh, move their uh, their standing protest that they've been having south of Victoria Park to the park just south of City Hall. And uh, last, I believe it was last Friday, they no, sorry, two Fridays ago, they stormed City Hall. And by stormed, I mean they kind of went in. And they demanded to talk to a politician and there were no politicians there for them to talk to. And they were like, oh, dear, could somebody please talk to us? And so a senior member of staff did speak with them and took their concerns and promised to bring them upstairs to the mayor and to council. 
uh, all in all, it was, it was really sort of like a minor incident compared to some of the stuff that we've seen in other cities where like rocks were hurled at the prime minister or the Capitol building in Washington, DC was stormed by violent yeah. protesters. So yeah, not, not, not really much of a storming. No, it wasn't much of a storming. But I have heard stories from people who work in the building that, um, you know, everybody's downplaying it now. But at the time, there were there was an email from security saying, you know, protesters have come into the lobby. Do not mm-hmm. go into the lobby. And you have a building full of hundred, you know, hundred or something people who are like, you know, is this something I should be worried about? And as it turns out, no. But still. <laughs> Um, I think it is careful than to have something unfortunate happen. Exactly. Exactly. So I think it was more, instead of scary, it was more mildly unnerving. So, so what was their slogan or did they come in shouting, we will not be mildly inconvenienced. Is that, is that what they're on about? I I think that is exactly what they're saying. Yep. Right. Yeah. How dare you mildly inconvenience me? Because we will watch. Yeah. We will not be slightly bothered. I don't. I don't. I don't. I don't want to mock. I mean, I do. So I know. I know. I mean, I. I <laughs> frankly, I mean, we. We all do. Um, yeah. But you know, I, I don't want to belittle or dismiss their concerns out of hand because they're people. You know, they're they're not they're not monsters uh, or, or or total fools. Uh, but yeah. Uh, Going to bat and people wearing sort of like like yellow stars of David over on their coats, like this kind of overheated, absurd, and kind of racist rhetoric. Just I don't know what they think they're accomplishing with this, or who yeah. they think they're they're reaching or talking to. Uh, that's uh, just it, it boggles my mind. Well, and like I have some sympathy for certain groups of people that are skeptical of the medical system because they've been mistreated by it. Mm-hmm. That I will like, I will absolutely allow that that is legitimate and valid. And I'm not going to tell someone who is especially part of a marginalized group that has been historically mistreated especially by groups like the medicals. I'm not going to tell them you absolutely need to get vaccinated no matter what. I will say, okay, what are your reasons? Like, can we have a conversation about it? But the people who are saying that, uh, you know, that they that they refuse to wear a mask, the people who are saying that being told that if they won't be part of the solution, then they don't get to enjoy all the privileges and part of a society, that, that I have some problems. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's yeah. that's yeah. You you put it you put it you know better than I could there. That's exactly what I, exactly what I was thinking. But uh, yeah, I'm fine. starting to I'm starting to lose some patience with the with this movement in Saskatchewan and just globally. Um, I, I I totally understand what you're saying, Morgan, and I totally agree. However, I think that those people, those marginalized groups, who um, have uh, sort of absorbed this vaccine skepticism. I think they're victims of another group that isn't marginalized and isn't motivated out of, you know, legitimate, you know, historical concerns from the ways they've been treated, um, who are, I think, in, in my experience from what I've seen downtown and um, from what I'm hearing, there seems to be a lot of sort of like a lack of, the willingness to 
play well with others and a sort of anti an anti-science and anti-reason a sort of and a sort of knee-jerk reactionary response to something that civil society has undertaken and i think a lot of it is just you know justin trudeau is the prime minister and they don't like him and i think that there's like there's like a bundle of really irrational things uh driving a lot of this there's also a lot of really like privileged folks that have never experienced Mm -hmm. being told that they don't get to choose everything for themselves and that sometimes they have to put society before themselves in some small ways like uh, you know there's uh, i see a lot of people that are like well i won't wear a mask this is terrible that are also (laughs) the same sorts of people that are saying that someone who wants to for example wear a hijab shouldn't be allowed to or you know, oh, I won't wear a mask. This is terrible. Well, were they ever in trouble for wearing a tank top in school? Probably not. Mm -hmm. It's a lot of those same people that have never really had their behaviors policed, that have never really had their choices, um, like restricted in any way. Um, Mm -hmm. And like, I kind of feel bad for them, because they've never really learned to have enough empathy to say, somebody not dying of COVID is worth more than me being a little bit uncomfortable. 100%. Yeah. yeah. These are, these are people who want laws to protect them, but to control others. I mean, that's, Absolutely. that's the most succinct way I can think of them. Yeah. Absolutely. Like the amount of them that like, it's, it's so funny to me. I'll see signs that are like my body, my choice. But if you talk to them <laughs> about like being pro-choice in an abortion kind of a way, they're like, well, no, people shouldn't have access to control their own uterus. And I'm like, what? (laughs) (laughs) It just doesn't compute. But like these, uh, there are a lot of these people don't seem to be the same ones that are fighting for um, uh, the rights of marginalized folks. They're fighting against the rights of marginalized folks. But then they're turning around and saying that they're being marginalized by being asked to try and take care of. And I find that deeply insulting. Mm hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, exactly. And I think we're seeing we're seeing the way that this uh, rhetoric uh, from the anti-vaccination crowd is getting more heated, and it's becoming more sort of cemented into a very sort of like toxic uh, image. And these people who've been running these protests have been kind of running roughshod across the city and across the province uh, for months now, for all for the entire summer. And just where they've been like, you know, expressing their peak at this uh, situation um, for all this time and are feeling really empowered now that, you know, they're able to do all of this stuff and get away with whatever, such that they now think that they can police public spaces, such as tearing apart the um, the memorial to residential school kids on the grounds of the legislature and where they felt that somehow they were the ones who get to decide what kinds of um, expressions are allowed in public. And so they decide to like take one down that isn't theirs. And, I like I I think while what's happening in Regina is not nearly as severe or violent as it is elsewhere, I think it's something to be taken seriously because I think, you know, these these people clearly, as you said, are not demonstrating any level of compassion. And that's kind of scary. And physical violence isn't the only violence. Like yeah. I, I do 
hold that taking down that memorial is violence. Yep. Like it's, it's a different sort of violence. And, you know, some people are maybe going to say that it's better or worse or what have you, but I, I just like, it's, it is violence and they don't seem to understand that they're actively hurting people and not just in a, like people are dying from COVID and that kind of thing kind of way, but also in a, they took down a memorial about kids that yeah. were yeah. killed, yeah. that were needlessly killed. Yeah. And they think that that's fine. I don't understand. Yeah, it, 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 it bog- like I said earlier, it really boggles the mind. Um, but uh, I, I saw on a social media post that the two people who did that um, went into pile of bones uh, tap tap house and were refused service. So and escorted out. Bravo. Uh, pile of bones. Pile of bones is partly Métis owned business, and they were having absolutely none of it. Yeah. And that 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 gave that made my my shriveled heart grow two sizes. So there you go. Mine too. And I, you know, I hope that more businesses will, uh, you know, take up uh, inspiration from that. And, uh, you know, similarly, uh, you know, not, not accept this kind of nonsense from uh, customers. It, it just felt good to see that their butts handed to them in the marketplace of ideas. Yep. There we go. Anyway. <laughs> what, what else is happening in the city? Hey. <laughs> okay, uh, there's been tons of stuff. Uh, the Regina Planning Commission had a meeting and uh, some stuff came up that's, uh, you know, sort of mildly important, uh, not the most thrilling. But I did uh, just to, like a quick summary of this heritage issue that's come up. I wrote a song and I thought we could play it tonight on the Queen City Improvement Bureau. I think we it, have. Yeah. All right. I'm going to share this with all y'all. Oh, who is Noxus? Okay. So here we go. So this, this song is just like a nice little summary of something that came up at Regina Planning Commission so that we can talk about it. Another heritage building is in peril as administration recommends the owner of the Burn family building be allowed to tear down that building providing a supply and interim plan that's aesthetically appropriate for downtown. Did someone say landscaped temporary park and lot? Did someone say landscaped temporary park and lot? Burns Hanley Building is within the Victoria Park Heritage Conservation District, so technically it should have been preserved and said they let it older. And now the owner says it's in danger of imminently falling down. Did someone say landscaped temporary park in lot? Did someone say landscaped temporary park in lot? The owner of the Burns Henley Building is Harvard Diversified that also owns the Gordon Block around the corner, former home of Zenovia Cafe. In 2011, Harvard tried to tear Gordon Block down. Did someone say landscaped temporary parking lot? Did someone say landscaped temporary parking lot? 
There are widespread rumors that Harvard wants to tear both buildings down in order to build a fourth hill tower, but they still don't own the corner lot. Between the meaning, any use could be temporary for a very fucking long time. Did someone say landscaped temporary parking lot? Did someone say landscaped temporary parking lot? Did someone say landscaped temporary parking lot? Can you respond to that claim? I could see that um, there would be concern around the lack of repair of the roof. Uh, had we all not been faced with a um, worldwide pandemic and, quite frankly, crisis, we are a, we are a victim of, of circumstance in this situation. All right, we are. Wow, <laughs> wow. We are the Queen City Improvement Bureau on ninety one point three FM CJTR Community Radio, and that was High Noon for Burns Hanley, generator of bangers and bops. I was, I was going to say that that sounds like a bop to me as something of a singer songwriter myself, like awesome. praise to you. That's amazing. Cheers. But so this is, this is what happened last week. There is a plan to tear down the Burns Hanley building, um, which is, it was two hours of this planning commission meeting. The, what you heard there at the end, the little clip from the meeting at the end of that track was uh, a question from uh, Councillor Shannon Zakidniak of uh, Roseanne Hill Blaisdell from Harvard Developments or Harvard, uh, I don't know, the Harvard group of companies. And uh, so, yeah, as you heard there, they are blaming COVID for the Burns Hanley building now being on the verge of uh, falling in on itself because they uh, they had they had been told they'd been warned in 2019 that their roof was in in dire shape and they said well let's put off fixing our roof and then covid hit and they this is what they're claiming at council covid hit and they couldn't get contractors and they had to defer maintenance on the building so a whole bunch of water just mysteriously got into the building and now it's in danger of caving in and the public is in danger and so they have to tear it down so what you're saying is that it went from a steamy kept up building mm. until covid set in and that's when it all went to shit yeah that's yeah um, yeah they they claim that until a few years ago, they actually had people renting space in there. But based off the photos they showed in council, I'm like, dear God, who were these poor people? I think street culture. <laughs> I think street culture was actually in there for a few years. Oh, street culture. Oh, okay. Yeah. But um, yeah, it's, it's off. Maybe that is what happened that they did for maintenance. They've owned the building since 2008, though, and it's only 2019 where they get this structural report warning them about the uh, the roof being a problem. Uh, the, the other thing that I think is that they're within the Victoria Park Heritage Conservation District, which uh, is like an area around the park where all the buildings are supposed to be preserved. And as was pointed out by administration, any building within this Heritage Park Conservation District uh, is effectively a heritage building. It has all the same protections and on these buildings and all the same obligations uh, to the uh, to the landowners for those buildings. Uh, Harvard is claiming that they didn't know about this, that they thought that this building was just on the heritage holding list, which has much lower expectations on the landowners. 
Um, I find this hilarious because they like, we know that Harvard knows that the Gordon block, which is around the corner where Novia was, is in the Heritage Park Conservation District. Harvard is not some new company to Regina. They are not new to city council and it's many things that happens there. They're well aware of the Heritage Park Conservation District. So I'm deeply suspicious of this claim that they didn't know that they were supposed to be maintaining the Burns Hanley building in, and like the, the expectation is that it, the, at least the facade is maintained uh, in a, in a state that's representative of the era in which it was built. But, but Paul, how, hmm? how could they have known that COVID would get into the roof and just start like eating the building from basically within? Yeah. How, I mean, they didn't know that COVID did that. Who did? I didn't Who did? Know that COVID did that. Me neither. Yeah. Bad, um, bad for people, uh, some mammals, and and uh, roofs. Apparently, yeah. The Burns Hanley Building has long COVID. <laughs> that's right. Should have gotten that building vaccinated. I, that's that's all I'm going to say. Well, and we don't have a big enough ventilator, yes. so <laughs> that's right. Just it's tremendously expensive just to wheel that ventilator up to the building in the first place. Yeah. Um, there, a little bit of history that I didn't know about the building that was brought up by Heritage Regina is that um, after Louis Riel was executed, this is the building where his body was brought and uh, it was overseen by clergy for several days until um, funeral uh, funeral arrangements were made. So... There's, it's, it's actually like a very significant building for downtown. It's one of the oldest standing buildings downtown, such as it stands. And it also has this like really important part of Regina heritage or history that it's uh, connected to. So um, one of the things that was raised is this need to consult with the Métis Nation before uh, this building is torn down so that we have like some sense of how they would like to see this, you know, this part of their history uh, honored and represented uh, at this location. Uh, but I guess we'll see. Because good news, uh, Councillor uh, Zakidniak uh, passed an amendment to this motion and she asked for she asked for a referral motion. So this is not actually going to go to council as far as I know in the near future. It's actually going to go back to administration. And what they've asked for is uh, one of the things that uh, Harvard didn't do is present what interim plan they're going to have for this building after it's torn down until such time as they can actually develop it. So they didn't present that, which is a requirement of the OCP. Uh, so uh, Staten, or, uh, Zakidniak asked that we, be, that we get this interim plan. She also asked that there's a consultation with the Métis Nation about the interim use and the final uh, permanent use for this site. Um, so, and that passed, uh, passed quite easily. So that's good. And so it's going to go back to administration and all this information will come back because like I say, Harvard was interrogated for two hours over this and it was kind of great. Um, we do know that they have no plans to tear down the Gordon block today. Um, but that they do have sort of like, they, they made hints, dropped hints that they want to develop the whole area, but they don't have that crucial corner block building that they do not own. And so they just have this dog leg from Cornwall street down to the plaza uh, that makes up the Burns Hanley and the Gordon block. So this is, if, if the rumors are true, 
that they want to build a fourth hill tower. And if the rumors are true that the people who own the corner block don't really want to sell just yet, uh, if they tear down Burns Hanley and if they eventually tear down Gordon Block, those lots are going to be sitting empty on our plaza doing nothing. It could be for another decade. Gordon Block has been closed almost as long as I've lived in this city. And uh, it's they're kind of a blight on the downtown. And as speaking of like playing nice with others and being part of a community, Harvard really doesn't seem to be taking their responsibility to be good neighbors downtown extremely well, as far as I can tell. But um, hopefully we'll find out more before the end of this year about what's going to happen at that site, because I think the writing's on the wall. I don't think Burns Hanley is going to be able to stay up. I don't think that building will be saved based off what they were saying and what their engineers are saying, but which is just so frustrating not necessarily because like it's bad to new things or anything like that Mm -hmm. but because when you've got a property that you're supposed to be looking after and taking care of why don't you do that yes 100 percent. yeah and Conversely, like on the other side, the city also has an obligation to hold landowners' feet to the feet feet to the fire uh, when they don't maintain uh, heritage buildings that they own. Um, and administration just basically said they don't really do that; that they have conversations, and the only inspections they do of these buildings are visual inspections from the exterior. They're empowered by bylaws and by the Heritage Act to go into these buildings, assess their, their, their significance and their state. And if the landowners aren't keeping them up, they can like do repairs. The city could do repairs to these buildings and charge the landowner. And if the landowner doesn't pay, we have the power to take these buildings over. But the city of Regina has just been unwilling or unable to do these things. And they're, they they talk a lot now about how they have this really great heritage policy that we're going to see this year, early next year. But this, the danger to our heritage buildings has been looming over City Hall for over a decade. Like we've known that this is a problem forever and that we're just now getting to a point where we'll get a heritage policy that might deal with this stuff. It's too little, too late, frankly, but this is where we are. Yeah. All right. Well, with that, I think we're actually like almost out of time on this uh, oh. meeting of the Queen City Improvement Bureau. Yeah. All right. Should I uh, should I move to adjourn? All right. But yeah, we should probably so let's, call it. Let's, well, let us adjourn. Uh, you have been listening to the Queen City Improvement Bureau on 91.3 FM, CJTR, Regina Community Radio. Uh, your hosts are Paul Shen and Aiden Morgan, Music by Guidewire. Our guest tonight was Morgan Motes, uh, Board of the Chair of Directors of UR Pride. Uh, what else? Uh, you can find us. We chair are broadcast the from us. Uh, did I, I said chip? What did I say? You said okay. the chair director. <laughs> well, you know, you know, sometimes at the end, when you do the stuff at the end, you talk really quickly and just it's word salad time. So <laughs> anyway, but yes, chair of the board of directors. Uh, we are broadcast uh, Thursday evenings from 7 to 8 p.m. And we broadcast Monday morning or Monday afternoons, 3 to 4 p.m. Uh, coming up next, we've got the Nerdcore Cabaret, then music all on through the night. Also, find us on uh, Twitter on Queen City IB. All right, that's all. Keep on improving, Giants.